welcome in to the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, part of Vol Basketball Fever. We're a show dedicated exclusively to talking about the Lady Vols and news around the program. Tune in to hear thoughts and discussions from experts who cover the Lady Vols on a daily basis. Now, here's a new episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Lady Vault Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined by special guest Cora Hall of Knox News. She covers all of Lady Vault's athletics for Knox News, uh, here specifically talking about Lady Vault basketball. So, Cora, thank you for hopping on the show again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I haven't had you on since the season has been over for Lady Vault basketball, so I wanted to get you on here to talk about all these transfers that Tennessee and Kelly Harper and her staff have been getting, because uh, it's been a lot, and we haven't had a chance to really talk. I think last time you were on might have been right before the start of the NCAA tournament, so I think we may have talked about Jazz Powell at that point, but even then it was more talking about postseason stuff. So I want to get you on to talk about that, but before we begin all that, I want to say thank you to all of you who are tuning in here whether you're listening uh, on your podcast app of choice or if you're on YouTube, thank you so much. Leave this uh, like on this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet on YouTube and also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice five-star review if you haven't yet on Apple Podcast or Spotify as well. Well, Cora, want to hop in here. Tennessee has now added uh, four players from the transfer portal along with also bringing in five-star Justine Passat in recruiting. The two most recent additions, I don't think we've really talked about a ton on here on the show, so I wanted to talk about the two newest additions to Tennessee's roster officially, and that being uh, two uh, more post players for Tennessee, and Jasmine Franklin, who is a transfer from Missouri State, who played under uh, Coach Kelly Harper at Missouri State, which I do believe I talked about with Kellyanne Stitz last episode a little bit, but I want to get your you know take on her as well. But also the newest one is uh, Jillian Hollingshed, who I, I believe I'm pronouncing that last name correctly, uh, transferring from Georgia, where she spent her freshman season there. A 6'5 post who, you got to imagine, uh, will be taking over and filling the shoes of Tamari Key when she moves on, but also providing some really good support and backup for Tamari this season was a former uh, five-star prospect who I believe uh, Tennessee had recruited you know, when she was coming out of high school before this past season. Uh, played in, I think, 20 games for Georgia, battled illness and then also injury. So didn't get to, you know, never really quite reached her ceiling this past year as a true freshman, but she did kind of, when she came back, bounce back pretty well in the NCAA tournament for Georgia, put up 15 points against Dayton in their first round victory over them. Uh, Cora, we'll get into kind of more how these these players and stuff we think could fit into the roster here in a minute. But overall, I mean, adding, I think the last things you really needed to address was, was post-depth. I think if if um, if Jasmine is healthy, she really fits into that Alexis die role that you know that Alexis leave behind. They're both built kind of similarly. It looked like when you know when healthy, um, aside from you know, the, the injury that that Jasmine had, Jasmine Franklin, that she had the kind of moves and skill set that Alexis brought and the tenacity that she brought as well. And of course, Jillian has I think a really high ceiling and can learn from one of the best post players in the SEC this this year and Tamari Key, but also you know provide some actual quality depth and have another quality five there that Tennessee didn't really have. You had Caroline Stripling who played some five this year because King Green went down, but I think you feel more comfortable with, with Caroline at the four. I think Jillian to me brings in a really legitimate, you know, post presence there at the five to spell Tamari if she gets in foul trouble or just needs a breather. Yeah. I think the thing with, with Jillian is, you know, she brings great size, you know, Caroline's a great, post player like she has a great future ahead of her but she's not 
you know, six, four, six, five, six, six. Um, so she just brings that length and, um, kind of what my impression from their, um, transfer portal recruiting is, um, when I talked with Sam, you know, she said they're looking at immediate needs and who can make immediate impacts and what they need right away in the fall. And they certainly filled that void of, you know, there was injuries that impacted their post depth, but now it's almost like you have all the post depth you could want on a team um, at this point. Cause they're all, they all are a little bit different, right? You know, you've got Franklin's a little bit shorter, but she just looking at her, her, her film that I could find online, um, got great moves is a great scorer and great rebounder you know she was second in the nation in the rebounding before she got hurt and um I believe that was in that was only that was only partially into the season so she's had a long time to recover so I feel like you know her health isn't probably going to be a huge concern besides keeping her healthy right um she'll have had a lot of time to recover from that um which is good um and then you know Jillian is um she's got a lot of skills for you know like she's not like a traditional center in that sense right she's more of like the centers that we're going to see more and more who can shoot from farther range and who can stretch the floor who can take you know have great ball handling skills and so I think she's going to also provide a different look um and when I was looking at the roster the other day it's just there's so much size on this team now right there's only four players who are under six feet tall so there's a lot of different lineups that you can create with this team because you have size at every position. You have size at the the two, the three. I mean, Jordan Horson provides size as a point guard if you want to run really at that. So you could potentially have a lineup of everyone over six one, and that's something that is going to be a game changer for them because that's that's what South Carolina I feel like had that nobody else really had last year was like so much size on the floor at once that it was like defensively, they were just going to stifle you. So I think with Justine at six, four playing at the wing, you know, she played two, three. Um, She wants to post up. She could post up because if you have her at, you know, at the wing, she can post up guards, you know, and then you have Ricky Jackson who's six, two, and you just have so many different looks that you can do so many different lineups. And Kelly likes to play deep into her, you know, into her bench. So she's going to definitely utilize that, you know, the different looks they can have on the floor, depending on matchups. Yeah. And that kind of leads into kind of the next point I want to talk about looking at all five of these newcomers of, you know, that are are joining the team from that were on the team last year with Jasmine Powell, um, transfer point guard. You have Rakia Jackson, you just mentioned transferring from Mississippi state, Justine Passat, five-star freshman coming in. And then the two transfers we just talked about with, um, Franklin and Jillian coming in, like you said, I mean, you have post depth and they all kind of do different things. Tamari is, at a, you know, the best shot blocker in Tennessee history. I mean, literally in, in the history, in the record books for that, uh, probably one of, one of, if not the best shot blocker in SEC history about the time she's graduated, but you have her as, you know, and, and her offense has come along as well and it's gotten better. So I think if she continues to develop that and, and maybe gets another move or two, you know, could really take off in her final year at Tennessee. But like you said, Jillian, Hollingshed also has like really good offensive skills. She she's more, I think, has a higher ceiling on that end than Tamari. I'll be interested to see defensively what she can do also. But um, I think offensively you'll see more from the post from Tennessee this year instead of you know it being feeding Tamari and letting her do things. But then and Alexis Die coming on as the year you know carried on as well. 
I think it'd be really intriguing to see this year what kind of offense you get from those post players. But also, I mean, you have a, a legit true point guard because that's off to um, goodness. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just suddenly forgetting your name. The point guard for the last couple of seasons for Leavals. Golly, my. Thank you. Yeah, Jordan Walker. I kept thinking Jordan, but I was like, I couldn't think of last name. Uh, Jordan Walker did a great job as a point guard the last couple of seasons, even though that's not her true like position that she came in playing. She played as a two guard and was asked to play point guard, and she did a good job of it. But now you have someone who it's been her, you know, job the last basically all her her career as a basketball player is playing point guard in Jazz Powell. So like that's going to be intriguing to me. I think to me, Cora, looking at the additions that that are, that are coming in it's interesting you can talk about starting lineups all you want but like you, like you just said and i think we, we've talked about with i talked about kellyanne i talked about with uh maria when she was last on too like i don't know that you're gonna you're not gonna see the same the same starting five from beginning to end of this year hopefully not because of injury but also but mostly because you have such a varied skill set you can go small ball if you need to or i guess quote unquote small ball like you said you have guards who are six foot six foot two on the team so technically small ball from a a, a skill set perspective i guess or you can play better you can have tamari and jillian and caroline and rakia all out there at the same time if you need to i mean you you have like i don't think that would be one you'd see a whole lot but you have options to play two or three post post players and really a, a point guard and a shooting guard and that be your lineup like you have so many varied options i i think though if you're looking at like a minute allocation I think Rakia and Jazz of the new of the new additions get you know more minutes than the other ones, but I really think it'd be interesting to me to see like what does Justine Pissot do because she's talented, but she's the only actual true freshman coming in on this team. You have all the freshmen who played last year are going to be sophomores this year, and they're obviously very skilled. And you have you know our returning seniors, you have returning juniors, you have a lot of experience and depth on this team. And as you just said, like. Kelly Harper has shown she will play those players and she'll play the young players. But I'm really interested to see how much playing time we see a, a Jillian Hollingshed. And well, I mean, I think Jillian will get a decent amount because she'll spell Tamari and maybe even be out there at the same time at sometimes too. But like Justine Passat, like how much playing time does she get? Because I don't think you really need, like hopefully you're not having to count or rely on her unless she just comes in as, as you know, like a, obviously lives up to five-star potential and is demanding minutes. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see the rotation this year. And once it plays out, who does that get narrowed down to with the eight, nine, like kind of players you like to play? Because there's only so many minutes in a game that you can, you can give to players. And, and there's a lot of players on this roster who are good enough to start and good enough to play 20 minutes a game. And I, I think it's just, this, this is the deepest on paper, at least team I've seen from Lady Vols in a very long time. Yeah, I think the thing with Justine, the thing that she has that they have been missing so badly is three-point shooting. Mm -hmm. She can shoot. Uh, She can shoot from the logo at at this point. You know, she's she has so much range, you know, and I think, I mean, I don't know if she starts right away, but she's going to be getting minutes right away. I don't I don't see any way around that because the last two seasons I'm you know, they, they relied on Tess for that three-point shooting last year, but, you know, she had streaks of hot and cold, and that's something that's just seen has been doing for years is just pulling up from deep and hitting them. I mean, she is a great shooter, and that kid works hard. You know, I was talking to her family the other week. I said a story on her um, come out, but just the the work ethic in that family and her, um, she, I don't think she's going to come in and be, 
you know, she might be internally a little nervous, but I don't think she's going to be intimidated by the the talented roster. You know, I think she's going to come in and make a pretty immediate impact just because I think with the thing with her and, and Rakia and like, uh, I would say probably Jordan Horson too, they're very versatile guards, you know, their, their versatility is one of their greatest strengths because they can score in so many different ways and they can, you know, facilitate different kinds of things on offense. And so I think that is going to be a major factor in, and when's the last time you saw a six, four guard, I mean, <laughs> six, four wing, basically. I mean, she's a, two, two, a shooting guard, but she'll play at the wing, um, you know, and when's the last time you saw that in the women's game? Like, I feel like that's so rare. If you're six, four, you're getting thrown at, you're probably going to be a four or five, but because she, you know, she had a growth spurt late. She was six, two until <laughs> like when she originally committed. So that is something that not a lot of teams are going to have an answer for. If you have, you know, whoever you want, I would say Jazz Powell is probably going to start at point guard. I don't know how you have a player who averaged almost six assists in the big 10 and you don't start her. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, she's, she's probably, I would say she starts. If, if I had to choose, I would pick her. Um, so if you're going to have her, but then you could put, you could have, three players on the floor at once who are six, four and taller. Like that's, that's really hard to compete with. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I, I think Justine still has a really good shot at earning a lot of minutes just because not, there isn't anyone else returning who would shoot the three like that. And I don't think any of the transfer shoot will be would be I mean like Rakia can shoot the three obviously but I know she didn't take as many and that could have just been schematically of what they wanted from her at Mississippi State but um Justine can shoot the three and they need that you're talking about last six four guard you saw in my mind immediately actually did go to Candace Parker but she's not a guard but she can shoot the three and she's six four yeah well <laughs> so I mean she's, she's listed as like a on her position like guard forward setter like uh-huh. that was... she can she can she literally probably can play one through five just about on a, on a core. But yeah, that, that was the first thing that popped my head. I was like, well, Candace Parker is the only one I could think of. Um, that was a really good point. I mean, they, that, that's, that was the thing last year, that and consistent free throw shooting and turnovers, like those three areas, three point shooting turnover numbers and, you know, inconsistent free throws were the, the biggest issues of this team, you know, aside from injuries, which you can't help that. Um, but things that could help were those three areas. And I think they, I think did a really good job addressing all of those. The free throw shooting will remain to be seen, but I think addressing three point shooting with Justin Passat, I think, like you said, Rakia is capable of hitting threes, but also it, it's not even just a case of you being a good three point shooter on your own. Like it's a case of if the offense gives you open looks. And I think bringing in Jazz Powell, who's you said averaged almost six assists in the Big Ten, like that's impressive. Um, her being able to distribute and be a true point guard, have that vision, I think it's going to help everyone. It's going to help out Jordan Walker. Her Jordan Walker playing off ball might help her shooting percentages as well. So it, it's just the whole team, I think, is going to be different and look different. And that's one of the things when I've talked to both, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, both Jazz Powell and Rakia Jackson, both here on the show, that they, they both mentioned is that Kelly Harper told them like she wants to move faster. She wants to run faster. She wants to play at a higher paced tempo uh, moving forward. And that was one of the reasons, you know, that both those players ended up coming to Tennessee and, and why they both were targeted by the staff. Core, I think that's that's going to be really interesting to see is how much does Tennessee push the tempo next year? Or I guess how much more do they push the tempo? How much more defensively are they going to press? Like, I, I think this could be 
probably the most aggressive Tennessee team also that I've seen in a long time, because just at least from talk wise of what, you know, what Kelly Harper has been saying, she wants to push the ball more. She wants to, you know, put the pressure on the opposing defense and put pressure on their offense too. Like this could be a team that goes from turning the ball over a lot last year to all of a sudden forcing a ton of turnovers uh, by opponents and also limiting, you know, cutting down the turnovers uh, by themselves this year too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to be, um, a major focus, you know, turn, cutting down turnovers and playing faster. And I think with Jazz Powell and with Rakia Jackson, you're going to get that, you know, those two, Jordan Horson in transition, that can be a lot of points. You know, that's yeah. just, I just think it's going to be a very exciting roster. And I think it's going to be really interesting to watch Kelly manage the the talent that she's bringing in because she has a loaded roster, like genuinely loaded roster. Um, so just seeing how she manages that um, will be interesting. And I'm very excited to kind of see and um, see how things shake out. Because like you said, I feel like as a coach, you want to kind of have a somewhat consistent starting lineup. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think, that's going to change up a ton, but maybe at the beginning, you know, you'll see certain people slide in here or there, or just if there's a, a game where like, hey, we want to start really big, start really big. But I think, I think you'll probably find a pretty consistent starting five in there. Um, yeah. And I think it's, I mean, in my mind, I would say Powell's got to start Horston Jackson key. And then that four spot, I think, you know, it's kind of, you know, <laughs> who wants it? Um, That's a good point. I, I, I think currently it would be Walker just based on, you know, her experience and, and her play at, you know, much, much as she's played and how she's played at Tennessee, but you make a good point. Like you can go a number of different ways there. You, you could start, you know, a, a more true shooting guard, like, like Jordan Walker there, or you can go, I mean, you have any of the returning sophomores you could put there. You have, uh, like you said, Justine could earn a starting spot. Like I, that, that, that spot right there is going to be a, or even heck, like I said, uh, Jasmine Franklin could end up taking that spot, and you have more of just a bigger starting lineup. So, yeah, that that fourth spot, whoever, however you want to play it, that's that's kind of the, I guess, the X factor that could change the most this year. Yeah, I think for Justine, I think it's probably just going to depend on how quickly are you in the system, how quickly are you, you know, getting these reps and and finding that groove within the offense. Um, so, you know, that's kind of remains to be seen but I I mean she's she seems like a really smart player so I don't think it will take her you know too long to adjust to that but I think that'll probably be you know you just got to see her her live at the college level basically and see how she handles it well we already know I mean we're barely into May at this point right now Cora um but expectations are already being talked about for this team and in terms of how how high are they going to be how high should they be a lot of people are already saying uh, with the way the roster is, it's, you know, they should make it up final four. And I, I do legit think they will be a final four contender. Like they're, they're going to be as long as everything kind of meshes together. Cause that's going to be, you mentioned it like the biggest, I think really the biggest question mark for coach Harper this year is going to be roster management. How do you keep, you know, like I guess technically how do you keep everyone happy, but also how do you find, you know, finding that right chemistry, finding the right rotations and stuff um, as the season goes on is going to be, a difficult task it's a good problem to have it's it's much better to have a loaded roster and try to figure out than having a depleted roster and you know having to play someone just because you don't have anyone else uh there 
but at looking at kind of early season expectations, we can talk about kind of all we want to about, you know, <clears throat> my personal expectations for the team or yours or any, any of the fans listening here or anyone else listening, period. But I think it's interesting to look kind of at national perspective because I think this came out earlier this week from ESPNW, Charlie Cream, who does a lot of the uh, ESPNW coverage for ESPN. He also does, I think, all the bracketology stuff for them as well released his kind of updated way too early top 25. Um, and I, <laughs> there was a lot of uh, discussion about where the Lady Vols fell. You have number one, South Carolina, which that's not a surprise. They just won a title and they return a, a lot of the same players from that, that team. And they're going to be very, very talented. Uh, UConn number two, which I think is also kind of interesting. Stanford number three, Texas number four. Iowa at number five, which you and I were talking before we start recording here. That's, I, I feel a little higher than I would have put them. And then Tennessee at number six, uh, where he says about the Lady Vols is enough votes are now in. And Kelly Harper has won the offseason so far. Early in the transfer process, uh, probable starters were Kia Jackson and Jasmine Powell committed to the Lady Vols. Then Harper was able to add <clears throat> Jasmine Franklin who was the nation's second leading rebounder before a December knee injury cost her the rest of the season. Then on Monday of this past week, 6'5", Jillian, uh, Jillian Hollingshed, a 2021 McDonald's All-American, landed in Knoxville after leaving Georgia following her freshman year. With Franklin Hollingshed and a 6'5", Tamari Key, which she's 6'6", but okay, uh, Tennessee might be an even better rebounding team than last year's edition that was second in the country. With Powell sliding in at the point, top scorer Jordan Horston will have even more freedom off the ball uh the talent is there in knoxville it just will look different from last season so having them at six like i i think you know okay that's fine i think they will be by the time we get to the beginning of the season core i think they're going to be a top five team maybe even top four again it doesn't really matter what media thinks of you in preseason it did you know preseason expectations or preseason rankings don't really mean anything. It's just a nice kind of way to get a season hyped up or to, I guess, give you a perceived slight <laughs> if you want to take it that way for certain teams too. But I think having Tennessee at number six, I, I mean, that's really high, but it doesn't feel high enough to me. Like, I think this, this team will be by the time it's all said and done by the AP and coaches or whatever, by the time we get to October, I guess, of, of this year, they'll be a, I, they, I think they should be a top five, maybe even top four team in preseason, because I, I think just this roster alone, um, it's so deep and so stacked and so experienced heavy that, I mean, they, they, it should be them in South Carolina one, two in the sec. And I don't know that we'll, we'll talk some more about sec transfers and basketball in a second, but I don't, I don't see barring a, a rash of injuries or barring like things just not meshing and gelling. I don't see how Tennessee and South Carolina aren't, you know, the top two favorites by a, a somewhat, I wouldn't say long shot, but like a, but like at least a somewhat comfortable margin uh, compared to the rest of the sec. And if you're one and two in the sec, you're a top five team in, in women's basketball, for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, preseason rankings are difficult. And yeah. um, I I feel like every time, I mean, maybe the top three teams uh, um, end up being those top three because you just know, you know, sometimes you just know those, those top few teams. But I think maybe the question mark with Tennessee is the fact that so many are transfers, you know, the top talent, probable starters transfers. So it's a matter of, you know, bringing that all together and, you know, you can have all the talent in the world. And if you don't have the right chemistry, it's not going to work out. So I think, you know, that could have been a question mark there, but 
I mean, if you look at the talent wise, like, yeah, they're definitely a top five team in the country. Um, But I think it's just that the fact that so much of the talent is just now going to come in and then they have the summer to put everything together and then October will be here before we know it, you know? And then, so, um, I mean, I think, you know, people here have seen what Kelly can do with um, when it comes to building culture, when it comes to building team chemistry, but yeah, there might just be. um, And I think, you know, there's still that recency of what Iowa did the end of the regular season, um, winning the big 10 tournament, you know, that's, that's a pretty big deal. So, I mean, they're returning good pieces definitely, but uh, I would definitely have put Tennessee probably at number five on that list. So I know again, it's, it's, we're still early. It's still May, but what in your mind, Cora, what, what are your kind of very early expectations for this team? Cause I, I'm not, again, the South Carolina is going to be very hard to upend, but I think Tennessee at this point has the roster to do it. I, I just don't know that I'm ready to go out and say that, you know, this team is going to win the SEC or that this team's going to make a final four. Cause again, getting to the NCAA tournament, that's a, it's all about matchups. It's all about seeding basically too, like where you're lined up and, and how you're lined up. Like it, it's, it's more or less, it's, it's, it's called March Madness for a reason. It's kind of a crapshoot. You, you kind of, <laughs> sometimes the best team doesn't always win it this year. I, I think that was the case. The best team did win it. Um, at South Carolina. And it, I think it is more true in the women's game still, even though we are seeing year in year out now, March Madness is becoming crazy. We talked about it before, you know, last time you we were on, like upsets are going to happen and you predicted several of them here on the show, Cora. So also hats off to you. I did not forget uh, for a month ago that you <laughs> predicted a few of those upsets um, in the NCAA tournament. But I don't, you know, I think it's not fair to go ahead and say this team is, you know, a Final Four bust because we're in May. And like you said, they have so, you know, some of those, the transfers are still at their old schools finishing up finals week right now. So like it's, they're not even on campus technically yet right now uh, for the team. So it's not fair to say it's final four bust or it's SEC title or bust or whatever, but you know, just early, early, like we're still several months away from the season starting, you know, what are your kind of early kind of thoughts slash slash expectations for this team? And just kind of, you know, how lofty do you think they should be or can be for this team? Um, I mean, I think it's a team, whereas last year, I think there was a, a feeling of, okay, we could, you know, oh, maybe they could, you know, contend for the SEC title. Maybe they could make a run to the Final Four. And now I think it's a, no, they should. You know, there's that that kind of a confidence that they have the roster, they have the talent. You know, I think Kelly said last SEC media days that she thought that, their depth um, was one of their greatest strengths. And now, I mean, they have so much more depth this year. And I think that's key when it comes to, as we've seen injuries, you know, uh, there's so many great players on this roster that, you know, you don't want an injury to happen, but if one does, you have a just as talented player to step in, like there's so much depth here. So, um, I mean, South Carolina, I mean, they played with South Carolina for three quarters last mm-hmm. season, kind of walking wounded. It's, you know, I think the thing with South Carolina is like, if you walk in thinking you're going to lose, you're going to lose. Um, and they have some really good freshmen coming in. They're still going to have, you know, you know, Zaya and Bree and Aliyah are going to be seniors. So, you know, there's that experience there with really talented players. But, you know, I think they'll, 
compete with South Carolina. I think it's definitely a possibility. I think they should be contending for the SEC regular season title, the SEC tournament title, and everything like that. Um, I think this they, they put the roster together to do that. Well, looking ahead here to um... – also kind of looking at just a little bit around the SEC. You just mentioned, you know, Tennessee hung with South Carolina. Uh, they didn't lose a whole lot. They didn't have to add a whole lot. So their their roster doesn't have as much as an overhaul, I guess, as Lady Vols. Technically, Lady Vols didn't have an overhaul. It's just going to, you know, really supplement and add to what was already a, a very solid roster last year. But I think it's pretty easy, in my opinion, to say that the Lady Vols kind of have the best transfer portal class in college basketball. And I don't know that there's really in, in contention for uh, anyone that's in that's the second place. like that close to me and, and honestly, but there are some pretty good ones and they've a lot of them been the sec. We you look at what LSU has done, who they've brought in, look at what Kentucky has brought in, look at what Florida has brought in this, this to me, I think this sec this year is not going to maybe be as deep top to bottom as this past season, but I think the top of it is going to be, possibly even tougher than it was last year. And the top was already fairly tough last year, but I think this this kind of top five, six, seven teams of the SEC in women's basketball this next season is going to be very tough. Um, it is going to be a lot of beating up on each other, I think, potentially, aside from potentially, you know, the top two or three teams. But I think LSU was a team that I thought was going to have a, you know, a, a big backslide in Kim Mulkey's second year. Um, but I don't know. Now, after they've added and stuff... Um, Core, they look like they could be a, a potentially a top four team in the SEC and get that double buy in the tournament. Like they, they've added a lot. Kentucky's added a lot. Florida, you were telling me before we started recording, Florida has added quite a bit as well. Um, SEC is going to be, I think, fairly strong next year. And it was already, it's already been a really strong conference in women's hoops for a while, but I think it's going to be um, <laughs> very, very interesting to watch next season. Yeah, I think it'll be business as usual in the SEC. It's going to be the best, one of the best, if not the best conference again in the country, you know, um, some of the transfers were within the SEC, you know, when um, Ladeja Williams went to LSU from Missouri, you know, um, Kentucky got um, South Carolina, Anaya Russell, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of movement even just within the league. And then I think Kentucky got a different SEC transfer um Asia Petty from LSU Kyra Elsie might have lost some players the, the portal but she has quite the incoming class and transfers you know she's got besides the two SEC transfers in Anaya Russell and Asia Petty from LSU um she's got I'm probably gonna say this wrong even though I heard the Buffalo beat writer say her name um um, Edibola Deye from Buffalo, who's she's she's solid, and yeah. you know, she she played at Thompson Bowling um, mm-hmm. when Tennessee played them, and she's got a really solid incoming class. So, I mean, Kentucky's gonna be good again next year. Um, it's just kind of a matter of again, probably pretty young. Um, Robin um, Benton announced that she was coming back, so that's that's kind of a key veteran for them now that. The rest of them are gone. Um, Ryan Howard drafted and the rest of them pretty much transferred, um, which was surprising. I think that was one of the more surprising transfer portal um, developments over the postseason was how many Kentucky players left after, you know, winning the SEC tournament. But, um, you know, 
Dre Edwards ended up at Baylor along with Asia Blackwell. So that's two SEC kids going to the Baylor. And I mean, that's, that's huge for them after losing Melissa Smith, Jordan Lewis. So, I mean, Baylor will be back right where they were. Um, they'll, they'll be fine. And um, LSU has a pretty solid um, transfer class with Ohio state transfer, um, the Deja Williams from Missouri, I'll be interested to see what Missouri does because I haven't seen a lot of movement from them and they lost some key players and I'm sure they had a senior or two in there. Um, But Florida also had a pretty solid transfer class coming in. Um, Leilani um, Coria from St. John's, um, KK Deans from West Virginia, and then um, Rochea Kyle from Purdue's 6'6 center. So um, Kelly Ray Finley will have a solid team, especially with Zippy Broughton and Jordan Merritt. Those two definitely impressed last year. So um, even though they're losing Kiki Smith, they are going to be solid once again. And I think what Kelly Ray Finley did in her first year, um, you can probably expect more of that. So SEC is going to be, again, probably a dogfight. But I do think that South Carolina and Tennessee are at the top right now when it comes to just looking at rosters, looking at talent. Um, Ole Miss will be interesting to see how they – try to fill that void of what Shakira Austin did. Cause I feel like she just did so much for them mm-hmm. that, you know, she's going to be hard to replace. So it'll be definitely interesting, but it will be very competitive once again. Yeah. And I did see, speaking of Ole Miss, uh, that today coach Yo got an extension. I think also through 2026, 20, I want to say. So that's also interesting. I have another SEC note as of today, like that we're recording this on Thursday, that Coach Yo got extended. And she's, they've had a, that was an interesting offseason because there was the rumor that Coach Yo was going to go leave Ole Miss for a, another job and uh, that didn't end up happening. So there, there was just, it, it's been a, it's been a very interesting offseason in SEC hoops uh, on women's basketball with the Layvalls and the transfer portal with, but now I will see you in the transfer portal with also just the personality of, of Kim Mulkey um, being at LSU too. But, this has been a, this is a, I imagine core as your job, like, you know, covering Tennessee, but also like paying attention to the SEC at large. Just, this has to be a really fun conference to cover and like keep up with because there's some interesting personalities out there, not just from coaches, but from some of the players too. Uh, I'll ask you kind of a second, kind of some of your favorite stuff you got to cover for, you know, the team this year, but this seems like a, a really fun conference and just personalities to cover in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, and even speaking of just, movement I mean you got Joni Taylor at Texas A&M now so that's gonna be mm-hmm. you know fun to watch unfold to see what she does with that program and then the new um, coach at Georgia Katie Abrahamson Henderson sorry that's a long name um, but coming from UCF she did you know she really built up that UCF program and brought some players with her that Georgia roster is almost I mean pretty transformed there's a lot of new players on that roster so um yeah I think it'll be very interesting there's a lot of new faces in the SEC next year well Cora I I said I was going to mention it and I I wanted I was interested I don't think we talked about this beforehand but obviously you know all the stories you've written and stories you've covered do you have a a favorite kind of story favorite moment from this past year that you got to talk about you got to see or anything like that because I I know this year was a lot of different things that you got to talk to a lot of different the, the you kind of tell some of these stories and stuff. And I know as a, you know, as a reporter, that was always my favorite thing in sports media. And, you know, one of the things I like doing here on, on the show, when I get to talk to the you know players is sharing those stories. So was there anything that really stood out to you this year and any, you know, any one person, any one story that really like, you know, that it's kind of stuck with you or that was your favorite thing to talk about this season? 
that's a hard question. Um, <laughs> There's nothing you want. If you have a couple of things, you can you can pick whatever you want to. This is kind of a moment to you know. I want to I want to shine a light on some of your work because I know you've you've done a lot this year. So if there's anything you want to do, that I'll, I'll add links into the description to you know. Everybody go back and read it. Yeah, um, I don't know. I feel like I really liked that story I did at the end of the season. Um, I think it was like the week after the season ended, where I talked to Kelly in Wichita, um, and it was just like a 10, 12 minute conversation, but you know, we talked about just a little bit about her journey as a coach and like how, you know, she tried to basically do this before NC State. And it was a really obviously much harder situation, but, you know, just taking over a legendary program like that and then that not working out for her and then, you know, finding her confidence again at Missouri State and then how, you know, Tennessee was just the right time for her and, you know, look at what she's done basically. And it was, I just think anytime I get to talk with Kelly like that is is really fun for me because I get to kind of see, you know, more of understand her more as a coach and she's really such a pleasure to work with. Um, You know, the more (laughs) I hear about, you know, other people's jobs, my friends in beat writing, um, you know, Tennessee is a really good place when it comes to access and, you know, the relationships I have, like it was so easy to form these relationships and everyone's like really um, appreciative of the work I do. So it's been, you know, really awesome to, you know, get to know the coaching staff, get to know the players. Um, It's it's too hard to pick between the player stories because I, I mean, there's, there's too many. I mean, I loved that Alexis Dye feature I got to do at the end of the season. Um, She was, yeah. They're her coaches, like talking to her former coaches, like her, her story was so cool, you know, going from junior college to literally Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, there's so many um, great stories to be told. And next year I'm going to have a lot. So I'm excited. <laughs> and for now, I've just been doing some softball stuff, which has been great. Um, but yeah, I think getting to know the coaches, especially, you know, when it gets to talk to Sam and Joy as well, has been super fun. Yeah, I was going to ask. You mentioned you got to talk to you know the, the assistants. What, what what are I know we all we all get to see kind of uh, Coach Sam Williams' personality on display because of her TikToks and everything that she does. But you know, what, what is it like to actually sit down and talk with her? You know, you know, actually, I guess kind of one on one or just in person because she seems like she has a really uh, I, I like her personality. Just for everything I've seen from her online. Yeah, I think the one thing that you know about my conversations with Sam is like every time she's talking, like it's not necessarily like commanding but you just know that she has so much knowledge and so much experience and speaks from this place where she just she has so much knowledge and you you can like ask her anything and she'll have like a great answer you know she knows so much about the game and you know has been in this for so long that it's fun to talk to her just to kind of you know get her opinion on things like when I talked to her about the transfer portal you know her perspective is so fun to hear because you know she's been with so many different great programs and has accomplished a lot as an assistant and, you know, had a, a short head coaching stint before she got offered at Tennessee, which was somewhere she was just like, I can't turn that down. Um, so she she's really cool to talk to just because I feel like I could ask her about anything and she would have a very good answer. You know, she just knows a lot. And then Joy is just, she's great. She's, she's, um, she's very personable. She's very friendly, funny, you know, she's super easy to talk to. And, um, both of them were great additions to Kelly's staff. 
How many times did you get to uh, at a game get to see or talk to Jackson or any of <laughs> Kelly's kids? <laughs> I've never been formally introduced or ah. introduced myself just because I like um I've like seen him walked by him a couple times and I'll like wave at him and be like, Hey, and he just kind of like, okay. Um, but I don't want to be like weird. So I've never like gone up to them and like whoever's watching them been like, hi, you know, like maybe probably next year I'll, I'll get to do that. Um, he's got a big personality. So I'm sure he would love to talk about things for a story about being Kelly Harper's son, you know? So, but yeah, he's a funny kid. Well, we're all waiting on the story in court and you got to talk to, uh, you know, Candace Parker's daughter, Layla, and that was, that was cool to see that. So we're all waiting on the, on the big Jackson feature, uh, for, uh, Knox news, but it's been fantastic having you on again. And, you know, I'm glad you're able to come on here. And as you mentioned, you know, softball has been keeping you busy the end of late of all season has been keeping you busy too, with, it seems like they've had so much news with additions and stuff to the roster that I know it's been a busy time for you and hopefully, you know, things are slowing down a little bit now as the, you know, softball is getting close to the postseason and, summer comes up and hopefully you have a little bit of a break but it's been wonderful having you on here again um thank you so much and i do you know kind of mentioned it already some of the past things you've written about but have anything you've come out with recently anything come out soon i know i know again you've been doing a lot of softball coverage but i know again listening our listeners here leave all fans love just athletics in general not not all of them are just basketball fans a lot of them pay attention to softball pay attention to um, a lot of the sports on campus so if there's anything you want to plug for the softball team, anything you want to plug about basketball, uh, now's the time. And obviously, you know, you all who are listening probably know who Cora is, but if you don't, uh, she's at Cora Hall with three L's on Twitter, but also, uh, as I mentioned, top of the show writes for Knox News. Yeah, I think, honestly, the only thing I want to plug is um, we have a story that should be out soon. Um, I believe it's supposed to go out on social media tomorrow morning about the um, the bill that is been passed through the Senate and the House and is now on Governor Lee's desk about um, basically banning um, transgender women from competing at the collegiate level in Tennessee. Um, So me and our education reporter have been working on a story for quite a while, um, kind of talking about the issue and kind of laying out um, what's been happening in Tennessee with anti-transgender legislation. So that will be out soon and I would encourage everyone to read it and to, yeah, I mean, talk about it. I think it should be an open discussion. I think people need to talk about it because I think that's one of the things that has kind of led to this. People just haven't talked about it and, or people don't want to talk about it because it doesn't personally affect them. So that will be out soon and I hope everyone reads it. Very good. When it comes out, I'll, I'll try to retweet it and maybe even this episode will come out before it gets put on, on social, but I'll, I'll go back and update the description of this. So if you're listening to this sometime Friday afternoon or over the weekend, um, this description on YouTube and the podcast should be updated with the link uh, to the story that Core just mentioned. So again, thank you for that, Core. I'll, I'll be sure to update everything once that actually gets posted because I, I agree with you. I think it is something to, that needs to be talked about because it doesn't get talked about. Um, or at least not to the degree it probably it should or that it deserves. So again, that's Cora at Cora Hall on Twitter with three L's uh, for her last name there at Cora Hall. And she writes about Tennessee athletics, Tennessee women's athletics for Knox news. And thank you again, Cora for coming on for the lady of all basketball fever podcast. Again, thank you all so much for listening. You can give this video a like. We really appreciate that. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube. If you're, you haven't done that yet and share this around with all the lady of all fans you may know in your life and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. So I got to plug everything here. So thank you all so much. Uh, join our, our, I guess last thing I'll plug is join our Twitter community if you haven't yet. Uh, Vol Basketball Fever on the Twitter communities. It's just a nice little hub for 
we have there for Vol basketball fans and Lady Vol basketball fans to kind of get in there and just talk about basketball if you want to. Trying to get more engagement in there. We've got a few people who've posted things in there as well, just kind of kind of talk about stuff here in the offseason. I'm sure once we get in November and the season's here for both teams, it'll be even more hopping. But join now while you while you are thinking about it here. I'm mentioning it here on the show. Go ahead and join it, and we'll uh, greet you in there and say, hey, you know, welcome into our new members. So thank you all so much for listening. Signing off for Cora. I am Nathaniel, and this has been another episode of the Lady Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. <laughs>